Is God good? I think sometimes we need to say it out loud. I, I've done some courses over the period of time, and one of the courses um, had some interaction with other people where you had to talk <laughs> out loud to other people. And, and you, had to, you, you had to be vulnerable. But what I found in those moments was to say it out loud was different than just thinking it. Okay? I said some things out loud, and what it did was it impacted me. And so what I want to do, I, let's just take 15 seconds while Pastor Brenda walks down the way and, and disturbs her husband. But let's take 15 seconds, and I want to say, just say out loud, God is good. Say it, and, and, and say it out loud so that you hear it. And maybe you have to say it a couple times. God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you're better than anything I could do. And you're, you're so good. And, and get in the habit, get in the habit of saying things out loud to God, to your life, about what's happening. Because there's something powerful that happens. Faith comes by hearing. Faith does not come by thinking. Faith comes by hearing. And by, I'll be honest with you, whatever you say causes you to have faith. Whether it's faith in the right thing or not is what you say. Because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So speak God's word. We gather together to honor him. We've been talking about kingdom. And, and, in, in, and instead of defining it as the rule and reign, because I've, I've heard that many times, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign, but the kingdom of God is the king's way. The king's way. Amen? Kingdom of God is the king's way. Hallelujah. Can you turn in your Bibles? Thank you. Turn in your Bibles to Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 9. I want to talk about the king's way. Amen? 2 Samuel chapter 9. If you can turn there. I want to talk this morning about how the king looks at things. The king looks at things. Uh, this passage is about David and a person called Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan. And if you read through the scriptures, you'll find out that Jonathan and David had a covenant. And Jonathan said to David, I will honor you 
and your bloodline, and, and, and they had a, a covenant that was stronger than just a friendship. And David said, I will protect you, I will not kill you, because, in fact, David and the house of Saul, Saul was trying to kill David. And the best way for David to survive naturally would have been to kill everybody of Saul's house. Like, just naturally. And, and David and Jonathan, and Jonathan did things for David. He protected David in front of Saul. He gave David wisdom. And David made a covenant and said, your house, your children, your lineage, as long as I'm around, I'm not going to destroy them. So David is now king, and he's, he's, God is bringing things to his mind, and, and I want to read about 13 verses here. <sighs> wow, that's a big ask, isn't it? 13 verses. Whew. We're going to read a whole chapter. Then David said, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, is there not anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, behold, he's in the house of Machor, the son of Ammon in Lodabar. Then King David sent him and brought him from the house of Machor, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Mephibosheth is the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul. He came before David and he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, here is your servant. David said to him, do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness to you for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all that the land of your grandfather, Saul. And you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and he says, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? And then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and he said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him and you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. By the way, if you ever write a story, don't use the name Mephibosheth. Pick an easy name. Like David. It's like, if you're going to read it ten times, it's like, I had to practice his name. <laughs> 
It's like, bit, 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 bit. so, so just, just a little thing. If you're writing a story at school, if you want to get the extra marks, use the name Mephibosheth. But if you just want to pass, use the name David. Uh, come on. We're, it's good to be in God's house. I think sometimes God puts these names in the Bible just to mess with us. Just to say, like, can you actually say that name, David? I did. I like six times, and I got it right. Mephibosheth. What I want us to see here is the way of the king. How did the king respond? What did the king do? Because as you read the scriptures, you find out the scriptures point to Christ. And so you get many, many times, you get in the scriptures an illustration of Christ. You get a glimpse of the king. You get a glimpse of the goodness of God. And in this picture here, we get a glimpse of the way the king wants things to happen. If I was to title this sermon, I would title it, There's Room at the Table. There's room at the table. The king here has whatever the king wants, the king gets. Not just in this story, but in the kingdom of God, whatever God wants, God gets. He says, listen, if you won't praise me, the rocks and the stones will cry out. I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we think they're suggestions, but actually they're often their commandments. We live in, in a time and an age where the king has repl- been replaced with me, I, my, my life, my hurts, my rights, my feelings, my, and, and it's, and we've replaced with, instead of what does the king say, we've replaced it with a reasoning, an opinion, an idea that suits me. I got to be honest with you, the king's way is not always the easiest way, but it is the best way. So I want us to see a few things about here. First of all, the king says he remembers his covenant. He remembers his relationship with Jonathan. He remembers his words and he says, is there anybody here still connected with Jonathan? The king remembers and he says, is there anybody? Now think about ourselves as smart as I am, I did not come up with the idea of giving my life to Christ. He came and he said, David, there's a better way. And he says, believe in me. I didn't come up with that idea and quite frankly, neither did you. (laughs) 
his kingdom as actually a derivative from him. It is the impetus comes from the king. And the king said, is there anyone? So for first of all, my salvation experience is not something I ascended to. It is something that he descended to and came to me and he knocked. It says he's knocking at the door. I'm so thankful that the king came to me. The king came to me. The king came to you. And the king in this story, David, said, is there anyone? And they said, there is. His name's Mephibosheth. And he says, where is he? Think about God in this, as I'm talking and sharing this story, this, this, this actual thing that happened. Think about God in some of these comments. Where is he? Do you know God came looking for you? You are valued in God's eyes. He doesn't look over you. He looks for you. And he says, where is he? And he says, I'll go get him. And this part was amazing. This child, this young man who is lame in both feet, because when he was a child and there was a raid in their village, they took him away and he fell out of his mother or he fell out of the arms of whoever was carrying him and, he, and somehow he got lame and he couldn't walk, so he was dependent on others. They bring him to the king. Isn't that interesting? He couldn't come by himself. Others brought him. He comes before the king, and the king calls him by name. He doesn't call him by like, hey, you, which the king could. The king was not required to call people by, the king could just say, who is that? Hey, you, come over here. But the, the, this young man comes before the king, lays in front of him, prostrates himself, humbles himself, and the king calls him by name. Mephibosheth. In your minds, hear God calling your name right now. The king actually knows my name. I, I, every once in a while, I've come across somebody who I regard or I have an opinion of that is an individual that other people would say, man, you met this person, you met that person. Anybody ever met 
a celebrity, somebody famous, somebody that, that might be recognized on TV or somebody that you got their hockey card of or somebody that is popular, has been in movies, and, and you meet them and, and you might meet them and they just look at you and sometimes they even gloss right over you, they get past you. But with the king, he doesn't gloss over you, he calls you by name. This is the way the king works. This is the reign and the rule. This is the way of the king. The way of the king is that he comes and he says, is there anyone? And then they say, yes. And he says, send him here, bring him here. He comes in and God says, I'm going to call you by name. You're not just a number. You're not just a member of a group. You're not just some other, any other description people may have. No, you have a name, which is an identity, an identifier, and he calls you by that name. And then I want you to see what the king says. He calls him by name, and then he says, I, this is the, deriv- the, the direction of the king. I will show you kindness. The kindness that you and I are shown is directly from the king. In this part, what did Mephibosheth do to receive any of this kindness? Nothing. He was crippled. He, he literally brought nothing to the table. I want us to see how good our king is. The way of the king is, he doesn't say, what do you have? Oh, that looks good. I will now accept you. The king says, hey, what's your name? And he hears his name. He says, Mephibosheth. He says, I will show you kindness. I am so thankful that my king does not say, David, what did you do? But my king says, because of my son, the name of my son, Jesus, I will show you kindness. And David in this story here says, because of my covenant and my relationship with your father, I will show you kindness. You and I, did not do anything to earn his kindness. I've shared this a few times, but I feel compelled to share it a little bit right now. After Winona's passing, I'd go for walks. And I would talk to God. In fact, I would complain to God. I'd whine. And I had no energy, I had no passion, I had no get up and go, it had left. And I remember one day in particular, I was walking down the street, I could almost tell you where it happened because it was so impactful to me, I know where this interaction 
happened. And I'm walking down the street and I start talking to him. And it's as if he stood right in front of me, God. And he says, but I love you. And it was like, he caught me off guard. And I, I, I said, how can you love me? I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't want to do this. I'd prefer not to have to do that. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do, and he just, and he, and he stopped me. And he says, but I love you. And I've grown up a believer. I've, I can't tell you the exact day I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ so early on. I, I remember I have signposts in my life. And so I've grown up in the church. I've thrown up in the church. Uh, I, I've grown up in the setting. And here I am, and God says, but I love you. And I said to him, I literally said to him, but I bring nothing to the table. I remember saying that. I said, I I bring nothing. I get paid to be a Christian because I'm a pastor. You see, pastors get paid to be Christian. I said, I get paid to be a Christian. I said, I bring nothing. And he looks at me and he says, but I love you. That has messed with me. And I know it's not about performance. And I know that we don't live by just being alone. We are required to do. But the requirement of his acceptance and the the aspect of who the king is, he starts by saying, I love you, I want you, I know you by name. And that has messed with me. Because here I have a king who I don't feel worthy. If it, was, if it was a job interview and I'm sitting down at a table and somebody's interviewing me for a job, they'd say, what time would you show up? You know, the day starts at 8 o'clock here in the office. What time will you be here? Can I be here at 10? And, and we have lunch at 12. Well, can it be at, uh, can I just show up for like 15 minutes and check in and check out? You know, what do you bring to this company? Not much. Uh, do you know what this company stands for? No. Will you represent this company in the best way that you can? Do I have to? You know, after a few of these questions, they'd all be X. The interviewer would look at me or I'd look at the person I'm interviewing and I'd say, thank you for coming. We'll be in touch, which is the way of saying you're never going to hear from me again. (laughs) Next. And I had this job interview with God and I'm giving him all these answers which are wrong. And he goes, but David, there's room for you at the table. And so as I'm reading this story of David and Mephibosheth, 
I see an aspect of how the king operates that, to be honest with you, is different than the way we operate. And I shared this as we introduced the subject of the kingdom. I don't come into the kingdom and tell the king how to run his empire. I come into the kingdom and I say, how do you run your empire? I don't come in and say, oh, I don't think that's a good idea to do it that way. I think you should do it this way. I come in and say, you know what, I used to do it this way, but if that's the way you want it done, that's the way it will be done. David, he says, I'm going to show you kindness. He says, I'm going to restore your land. Think about this in relationship to how the king rules. He doesn't demand his pound of flesh. He comes and he says, first of all, he calls you by name. Then he says, because of Christ, I'm going to show you kindness. He says, I'm going to restore your land. The king, the king usually takes when Israel wanted a king, God told, him, told Saul, uh, Samuel, he says, when you tell them, tell them that the king's going to take the best of everything you've got for the king. He says, that's the way the earth works. That's the way people work. And in God's kingdom, he says, no, I'm here and I'm going to call you by name. I'm going to show kindness to you. He says, I'm going to restore your land. And he says, and I'm going to invite you to the table that you can sit here every single day. And then he says, not only that, but I'm telling your handler, for lack of a better word, Zeba, the guardian, to go and to take the land, cultivate it, grow everything you can on it, so not only do you have produce, but you have provision and you have prosperity. The king said to him, he's going to sit at my table, but I want you to cultivate his field, grow everything for him so that he'll never, ever have lack. I know you're all praising God and shouting amen inside. And, and, and like I said earlier, it's okay to say amen and hallelujah out loud. It's okay to pray. But the king, the way of the king, he calls you. He knows you by name. He says, I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to restore to you. He says, I'm going to give you, not only that, but I'm going to give you a seat at the table. There's room at the table. He says, and then not only all that, but you're going to live without lack because I'm going to have your fields are going to be producing and prospering because the king wants it that way. That's the way the king looks at you. He is not an angry God that every time you pop your head up and finally get ahead, he goes, bang!
thing, you know, like that game at, at, at one of these fun parks where, where the little mole sticks his head up over the hole, and, and your idea is to whack him, whack a mole. And God is not some cosmic whack a mole going, oh, he's getting his head up. No, God is saying, I'm here. I provided for you. I know you. I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to restore to you. You're going to sit at my table, and you're going to have so much around you that you will never, ever, ever lack. That's the king's way. And I have found the struggle is not with the king. The struggle's with me. How can something be so good when I am not always such a good person? How can he love me so much when I don't even reciprocate? Because the way in God's kingdom is the king steps first. The king comes first. He extends the invitation. He extends the hand. He extends the words. He says, come. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemy. He says, come. He looks and he sees the prodigal returning. And what does he do? He prepares a feast. And the prodigal says, I don't deserve this. And he says, no, no, you're getting this. And the other son says, why all this? And in the king's way, the way the king operates in the kingdom, he says, no, he was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but now he's alive. And the king initiates, directs, and instructs. I wrote down a number of things that happen at the table. And actually what happens in this story, in this story, in this reality, this actually happened in the Bible. It happened in real time. Ziba responds and says, whatever the king wants, the king gets. That's what he says. Whatever the king commands his servant, her servant will do. But what happens at the table? An invitation, a welcome, a want, food. Can you smell the the stuff? I was going to say, can you smell what the rock is cooking, but it ain't what the rock is cooking. Can you smell what the ladies have made? Yeah, this ain't no WWE or WWF or whatever it is. This is the kingdom of God. This is God's house. Uh, Refreshment happens at the table. Nourishment, restoration, health fellowship this is happening when the king brings them to the table this is what happens at the king's table there's room at the table conversation relationship communion communication hospitality the best of what the king had the king would never show or give anything that was less than the best he'd have a fat calf he wouldn't say, get me the skinny one. Let's get, he'd kill the best. Think of Jesus in that example. Vulnerability, openness, together, life, 
celebration. That's what happens at the table. So I got a question for you. What are some words that we can use to describe the environment here at Solid Rock? Family. We spent 16 months talking about this as a house. Family. Worship. Peace. Healing. Prayer. Can I add one? Can we have the attitude, the environment, good, fellowship, that there's room at the table? Can we be known at Solid Rock as a church, as a group of believers, as a called out one, as ones that gathered, that there's room at the table. And what that implies, just come. What I mean when I say there's room at the table, they don't have to qualify. They just come. They don't have to do. They're invited. They're welcomed. They don't have to perform they just come. Here's one. We get to know their name. And we actually call them by name. They may not know my name, but I will call them by name. Can you think with me when somebody comes through these doors at Solid Rock that they will say they accepted me, they loved me, they didn't ask me to perform, but they made a space for me at the table. That's what I want to be known for. That's what I want to be known for. And I see this, and if I could humbly submit to you, that is the way of the king. It's not my idea. It's God's idea that says, I have a table, and there's room for you at the table. Amen? Amen.